Pray with me, please. Give me Jesus, Lord. Give me Jesus. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Amen. As any good football fan will know, Vince Lombardi was for a number of years the great head football coach of the Green Bay Packers. Now, Vince Lombardi was known as a hard-driving, extremely demanding coach, and the result was that the Green Bay Packers were perennial champions in the National Football League. Now, one of the things Vince Lombardi is supposed to have said repeatedly to his players was this, winning is everything. Well, interestingly enough, just recently, David Moranis has produced a biography of Vince Lombardi, and in that wonderful book, Moranis declares that for all of these years, Vince Lombardi has been misquoted. What Vince Lombardi actually said repeatedly to his players was this, winning isn't everything, but the will to win is. You see, Vince Lombardi understood something quite profound. He understood that what is in a person's heart determines how that person will perform on the playing field in the game of football, but even more importantly, how that person will perform on the playing field in the game of life. Well, today I want to take Vince Lombardi's dictum and apply it to the life of King David. Winning isn't everything, but the will to win is. I invite you to look very carefully with me at what God said to King David. Understand, please, uh, that King David at this point was approaching the final chapters of his life. He had achieved much. Uh, he had galvanized the people of Israel into the people of God. He had established peace and stability in that region of the world. He had transformed the city of Jerusalem into a glorious capital city, in fact, so pervasive was his vision for that city that it came to be known as the City of David, a designation which it holds to this very day. Now, you know, when people arrive near the end of a significant life, uh, they tend to turn their thoughts either inward and reflect on their accomplishments or outward and seek new worlds to conquer. David did neither. David did not look inward. He did not look outward. Instead, David looked upward. David focused upon God, and he remembered how God had been his guide and protector all through his days, and he remembered how God had blessed him in some truly amazing ways. And at that point, 
it dawned on great King David that here he was living a life of beauty and luxury and significance, and all the while the Ark of the Covenant, the visual symbol of God's presence with his people, the Ark of the Covenant was being kept in a tent. Well, for David, that was unacceptable. David then decided that he would build a temple in which to house the Ark of the Covenant. It would be a magnificent structure. It would be the crowning achievement of his life. And so that became his great heart's desire to build this glorious cathedral to honor the God who had so blessed him and so blessed his people. Well, David took this proposal to God in prayer. God's answer was immediate and decisive. God said, no. God said, you shall not build that temple, for you are a warrior and you have shed blood. Well, of course, that was absolutely true of David. His life had indeed been marked by violence and bloodshed. He was a warrior, and he had been responsible directly or indirectly for the deaths of many, many people. Certainly he had been responsible for the death of the brilliant young soldier Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. David had blood on his hands. And God said, the hands which build my temple must be pure and unstained. Therefore, David, you have blood on your hands. You cannot build the temple. That would have been a heartbreaking word for David to hear. But what I want you to understand is that God went on to say something else to David, something that I find downright thrilling. God said to David, but you did well because it was in your heart to do it. You see, God's justice and holiness demanded that God say, you cannot build the temple. But God's love and grace allowed God then to say, but you did well because it was in your heart to do it. In other words, winning isn't everything. But the will to win is. What really matters in life is what is in the heart. Now, I want us to zero in on these incredible words God spoke to King David. In the first place, God said to King David, you shall not build the temple. That is what I choose to call the indirect judgment of God. You see, when God said that to David, he was pointing out to David that what he had done in his yesterdays was going to limit the possibilities for what he could do in his todays and his tomorrows. And I want you to understand something, dear friends. 
That is a great truth of Scripture which we do not take with sufficient seriousness. The Bible teaches clearly, as we sow, so shall we reap. The Bible declares unquestionably, sow the wind and you will reap the whirlwind. That's the way life works. Sooner or later in life, our sin will find us out. And our sin always has consequences. For example, the alcoholic may become a recovering alcoholic, and that's good. But damage done to vital organs through years of excessive drinking cannot be reversed. And therefore, that person's lifespan may be shortened. A convicted felon may convert to the Lord. That's good. But the consequences for that person's past misdeeds will continue to follow that person all the way through life. A person who smokes heavily may be able to kick the habit, and that's good. And that will stop further damage to heart and lungs. But damage already done will remain. What we have done in our past affects what we do in the future. That is the indirect judgment of God. God said to David, you cannot build the temple. You have blood on your hands. And what you did yesterday cannot be undone. Now, it is very important at this point for you to hear me absolutely clearly. I am not suggesting here that our God is some kind of angry tyrant who comes crashing down into our lives full of wrath and fury, lowering the boom on us and crying out, no, you can't do that. That is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. No. What I am saying is simply this. Hear me. The one true God, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the one true God has built into the very order of creation, has woven into the warp and woof of the universe of which we are a part, certain unchanging moral laws. When we violate those moral laws of God, we do not break the laws. We break ourselves against those laws. Shed blood, God said to David, you will not be able to build the temple. Violate God's moral laws in life, and sooner or later there will be a price to be paid. Eat too much, drink too much, smoke too much, work too much, play too much, surrender to temptation too much, and you won't be able to do things in life that you might wish you could do, no matter how noble those things may be. What we have done in the past does indeed affect what we can do today and even what we can do tomorrow. Make no mistake, once again, you must hear me clearly. God forgives our sin. Yes, absolutely. 
in Jesus Christ, God literally wipes the slate clean. God forgives the sins of our past. But the fact of the matter is, the consequences of those sins in our past may still have to be faced in life. That's what happens when we run up against the great laws of God in the universe. The law judges us. God said to David, As you sow, so shall you reap. You have blood on your hands. You cannot build the temple. That is the indirect judgment of God. Now, God didn't leave it there. Thank heaven. God went on to say something else to King David. God said to him, but you did well because it was in your heart to do it. That is what I choose to call the direct judgment of God. Let me say this for you again. God's holiness and justice demanded that God say, you cannot build the temple. But God's love and grace allowed God then to say, but you did well because it was in your heart to do it. God is the God who looks upon the heart. Again, it is so important for us to understand this. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are following a God who judges us not on the basis of what he sees on the outside in our lives, but on the basis of what he sees on the inside. God blesses us not so much for what we do for him, but for what we dream of doing for him. Our God is a God I believe could readily identify with that little peewee league football player who one day came running off the field to the sidelines crying out, Daddy, Daddy, they tackled me and I fumbled the ball, but when I fell, I was headed toward the goal. Ha! Yes! Our God is the God who looks upon the heart. And of course, if you stop to think about it, that's really the only basis on which God can judge us, what's in our hearts. Uh, God cannot judge us solely on the basis of the deeds we do or don't do in life. God has to look on the heart. I think I can prove that. Consider this. A deed may be done for good or not so good motive. Uh, for example, a person may give a substantial amount of money for the poor and give that out of genuine love and concern for hurting and needy people. Another person may give exactly the same amount of money, but do it in order just to get a tax break or to gain the accolades of others. Both gifts are exactly the same. Both deeds are identical. What's different is what's in the heart. Paul said, if I give away all that I have, but have not love in my heart, I gain nothing. God judges us on the basis of what is in our hearts. Or consider this, a deed may be limited by physical ability. 
I know some wonderful Christians who have serious health problems, who have a towering faith in Christ and a burning desire to serve Christ, but they are unable to do all of the things that a healthy person could do. So I ask you, is God going to judge them on the basis of those limited deeds that they can do? No, heavens no. God's going to judge them not on the basis of the health of their bodies, but on the basis of the health of their hearts. God said to David, you did well because it was in your heart to do it. Or consider this, a deed cannot reveal all that is in the heart. I mean, which young mother here would want to stand up in front of this congregation and declare that every single thing she does every single day is an absolutely perfect demonstration of the love she has for her children? Or which husband here would dare to stand up here and contend uh, that the way he treats his wife and regards his wife all the way through the years, that in every way, in every day, everything he has done is a perfect indication of the love he has for her. Huh. The reality is, no deed can ever reveal all that is in the heart. God understands that. That's why our God is the God who looks upon the heart. My great friend Bruce Thielman, now with the Lord, used to tell a wonderful story about the little town of Pittenweem on the North Sea coast of Scotland. Now, you know the North Sea is a very treacherous body of water. And as a result of that, in all of the little villages along the North Sea coast of Scotland, each little village has a lifeboat team composed of volunteers from the community. And those lifeboat teams are always on the ready to be called to go out into the treacherous waters of the North Sea in a storm to rescue those on board ships where the ships are in trouble. Well, on one occasion, in the midst of a terrible storm, word came to the village at Pitt and Weem that there was a ship in trouble. And immediately the lifeboat team in Pitt and Weem launched out into the crashing surf and headed out into the North Sea to try to attempt a rescue. After what seemed forever, the people in the village of Pitt and Weem began to cluster on the shore because the lifeboat hadn't returned. And as they stood there, their concern was growing deeper and deeper because the storm continued to rage. And finally, they saw the lifeboat returning. However, they couldn't bring the lifeboat on shore until the surf died down. And so here were these exhausted men in the boat fighting and struggling for all they were worth, trying to keep their lifeboat from being smashed to pieces against the rock. At that point, one of the old men from the village called out, Are there any survivors? And back came the sad, heartbreaking response. No survivors. Not even one. Whereupon this old man then turned to the rest of the people gathered on the shore and he cried out, 
Well, then let's give them three cheers for the attempt. Ha! Yes. Do you see it? Three cheers for the attempt. When it comes to living the life of faith, those who triumph are those who try. God blesses those who live the life of faith, yes, but God also blesses those who are trying to live the life of faith. Winning isn't everything, but the will to win is. What is in the heart is what really matters. David, God said, David, you did well because it was in your heart to do it. That is the direct judgment of God. Well, I, I suppose we, we don't hear too many sermons these days on the judgment of God. And I guess that if the judgment of God is just hellfire and brimstone, as some preachers say it is, then maybe that's all right. But I want you to understand something. You have heard now a sermon on the judgment of God. For I do believe with all my heart in the indirect judgment of God. As we sow, so shall we reap. That is built into the very universe in which we live. But I also do believe with all of my heart in the direct judgment of God captured in that single shining sentence from Second Chronicles. You did well because it was in your heart to do it. My beloved people, claim that truth for your very own. You see, sometimes in life our hopes turn to ashes. Sometimes our dreams crumble into the dust right before our eyes. Sometimes our efforts on behalf of Christ run slap into brick walls. Sometimes we encounter the frustration of failure and the sting of setback. When that happens, I invite you simply to sit quietly and listen with the ears of faith to what the Lord says to you, you did well because it was in your heart to do it. And in those words, you will find the courage to live on, to carry on, to fight on, to struggle on, to give heart, soul, mind, body, and strength to serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our magnificent Savior, Jesus Christ, and soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.